Sponsored Juniper Abstra's intent-based multi-vendor networking solution helps you build your data center network to a specific design, then make sure it stays within that spec. Deployment automation and continuous validation. Find out more at juniper.net slash packetpushers slash Abstra. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everyone. Welcome back to the Full Stack Journey podcast, where we talk about the ongoing evolution of the IT professional. Thanks so much for listening. I am your host, Scott Lowe, and my goal today, as always, is to help equip and prepare listeners for their journey of learning across the full stack of technologies that are present in today's data centers and cloud environments. Now, joining me today is Tracy Holmes, and in this episode, We are going to go a little old school. Those of you that have been listening to the podcast for a while know that we started out talking to folks about careers and career lessons and career transitions. And so we're kind of going back to our roots on this one. And we're going to talk with Tracy about sort of things that she's learned in her career. So Tracy, hi, how are you today? I'm fine. I was just telling Scott about some of my house woes. uh, So that's how I know I've made it. Uh, (laughs) But other than that, the day is going pretty darn well. Well, great, great, great. And hopefully the house woes will get settled. So if any listeners out there know of, you know, some help with house insurance, I'm sure Tracy would love to hear it. Um, So Tracy, uh, tell us, uh, me and the listeners, a little bit about yourself. You can kind of, you know, give us a quick overview of your career. You can drop references here to online contact information in case you want folks to follow you on Twitter, subscribe to your blog or whatever. All right. Uh, Starting off, I am Tracy P. Holmes all across the board. I'm literally the easiest person to find. And if you're old enough to know who Dick Tracy is, it's Tracy like Dick, middle initial P, Holmes like Sherlock. That's all you need to know how to find me. Uh, I actually, I'm gonna jump way back. I was eight and I took apart my dad's 72 Datsun and almost got in trouble for it. And that's when I realized I like taking stuff apart to learn how to put it back together. So that's the best way apparently I learned how to learn. Um, and somewhere around, around college, I realized I really loved technology. Once I graduated, I ended up doing tech support in various places, Microsoft accounts, contract agencies, that kind of thing. Uh, ended up being a systems admin after all of that at a data center, funnily enough, uh, which was the best way to learn back then because the only thing you had was a survey and some root causes and stuff blowing up in the data center. Uh, and that was perfect for me to learn, which is the one thing I do miss, even though we have all this good cloud stuff. Um, and then I switched to a little bit of project management, onboarding, deployment. Uh, somewhere around 2017, when I was back in Austin around the 15th time, I decided I wanted to learn how to code. So ended up in software engineering for a few years. Realized I like teaching because I did that for about a year in there. And there's this thing called developer advocacy. And oh man, light bulbs. So I like helping other people's light bulbs come on. So uh, I've bounced between that and engineering for a few years now, and I absolutely love it. Uh, Developer advocacy, I think, is probably the thing that I I honestly do like doing. That's awesome. I have talked to several folks who have sort of uh, rolled software development programming into their tool set, and it's always an interesting conversation because people learn in so many different ways. And learning to write code and, and create programs is, you know, like it's a, I don't want to, I don't know. Like to me, it's an intensely personal thing because everybody approaches it slightly differently. Right. And that's the thing that got me into it. Like once I realized there are like 15 different approaches to solve one problem, 
I was like, oh, this works with my brain because I'm very much dug from up uh, and squirrel and learning and rabbit holes. And so that that tool set, like you said, that also helps people learn how they learn. So I, I, I love it. That's a tool I absolutely love having. That's awesome. Awesome. Cool. So thank you for sharing that. Now, um, what, what we're going to talk about today is sort of, you know, lessons that you've learned along the way. You've got a, a great breadth of experience between, you know, some project management and some doing stuff in data centers. And I can identify with you on that. I used to spend hours in the data centers earlier in my career. But, um, you, you know, some dev advocacy, some software engineering. So there's great stuff in there. And I love the the touch of like, you know, education and teaching in there. It's something I have brought into my own career as well. But let's just kind of you know, chat for a bit about what are some of these career lessons that you've learned and how do you think these career lessons may be applicable to listeners, right? So there's always been this big thing about those that can't teach, which kind of has a negative connotation to it, depending on what you're doing. I've seen it more around developer advocacy because I think there's this thought that, oh, we couldn't hack it as engineers or ad admins or DevOps or whatever we were doing and just fell on this because it was easy. Developer advocacy is hard because uh, you're never good enough for everybody. Uh, you got the community yelling at you. You got marketing yelling at you. So what I will say is if there is something that you absolutely want to do, because I was hard set on either being a TPM or a software engineer for about two or three years there. I was just like, I'm going to do it. I don't care what anybody says. This is what I'm going to do. And I do it. And then I got a touch of speaking. And then I go back and I, I'm no engineer. That is me. Rah. Took me long enough to call myself an engineer. And then I do another speech or a speaking engagement. And I was like, you know what? This adjacency things in engineering might be the way to go. So like the very first thing I learned was that thing that you want to do may not be exactly what you're supposed to do, but doing something incredibly adjacent to that thing may be perfect for you. Um, and, and that's where I'm at with being a DA. Like I still get to most of my DA positions and they've only been like two or three, um, but they're very technical. So I don't lose the engineering aspect, but I get to, I'm very upfront about the things that I do or I don't know. That's one thing I think people that have ever heard me speak is I will blatantly say, look, I don't know how to do this. I'm not a practitioner. So let's learn together. But it works. Like people find that relatable, I guess, me just crapping on myself, <laughs> being very self-deprecating. So that would be like my very, very first thing to say. That thing that you want to do, I get it, but it may not be for you. But something very, very close to it may just, it may be perfect. And try it out. Like, see what you think. You might surprise yourself. You know, it's really, it's really interesting to me now, you know, we're 60 plus episodes in the, in the podcast and talked with a lot of different folks across a lot of different career fields and different levels of their career. Some were brand new in their careers. Others have been in the industry for years, but this topic of adjacency keeps coming up again and again and again. Like, you know, I, I did a podcast with a gentleman and he's a, he's a hardcore like database expert. Like, you know, he knows SQL Server inside and out. Ooh. I mean, just, yeah, I know. I mean, like, that's his thing. That's his jam, right? I mean, he just knows all about it. But but he was talking about how, you know, okay, that's fine. But like having this knowledge of these adjacent areas, like, oh, how does, how does networking affect this? How does storage affect mm -hmm. this? How does compute affect this? How does virtualization affect this, right? Was super helpful for him in being the best database expert he could be. 
Or I talk to folks who have made transitions in, in their career and they say, well, I was doing this thing, a lot like what you described. I was doing this thing, but then there was this other thing that was right next to it that really made sense. And and that that's where I ended up, right? So I, it's just, it's really fascinating to me how how much this uh, adjacency and awareness of the adjacencies mm -hmm. plays a role in people's careers. And you don't ever just leave that thing. Like it keeps you, it keeps you learning. Um, the thing I do like about open sources or, or like even cloud technologies is they change every year. You're never going to get bored unless you just absolutely don't want to learn something else because you have to learn in order to stay up to date. Um, so that's the other good thing about this field. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've mentioned that a few times. I had a, uh, a saying that I, I borrowed from, I think it was a, an army general, but it was like, you know, if you don't like change, you'll like irrelevance even less, you know? Uh, <laughs> right. So you have to, you have to change. If you're going to be an IT professional change is just kind of, kind of, uh, you know, part and parcel of the gig. Right. Yep. Um, absolutely inevitable. Yeah. For, thinking about this adjacency thing, you know, what, what have you found helpful or useful over the course of your career to sort of help you identify useful adjacencies, right? It's hard learning how you learn, um, especially depending on like how your education was structured. Like there are some just hard up teachers that say, you're gonna learn this, you're gonna learn it this way. I don't care how you think you learn, but this is proven to work for me. Well, this person may be visual, this person may think, may do better hearing, this person may be better hands-on. You need to start learning how to cater to those kinds of things. And I think the one thing I did learn from that teaching stint was that one thing was to like pay attention to how other people learn. I'm very visual. When I had to start learning Golang, I was, I, I called a pound, a pointer. I use an example of a, 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 a deed, a, a parcel of land uh, to get into my brain what a pointer was. When I had to learn Terraform, it was, oh, well, a Terraform, Terraform was a gated community if KB Homes owns this community, the three different types would be your cloud providers. And somebody was like, oh, I was like, yeah, that thing, that, but any other way, I did, wasn't working. Um, so playing around and not being scared to like try to try something on, on the, in the background and see how it works. And if I can break it, uh, I actually did a podcast with Tamika Reed once and we learn in two totally different ways. I would rather you give me the thing, let me break it, than fix it. She'd rather you give her the instruction manual and she'll check out all the things first before she does it. And we used like a Porsche to talk about that analogy, but break fix is, is the, I need to immerse myself in the thing that I'm breaking to learn how to fix it, which is why I like being an admin. Citrix servers, you just shut everybody down, spin them back up, no more problems. Um, so just adjacency, I guess, is because I haven't minded trying to put my fingers in the things that I might be interested in. Um, I read a lot. I'm very big on Reddit. I know people hate Reddit. Uh, Reddit is, is, is public access television. You don't like the channel, just switch to another like <laughs> subreddit. Um, but I've learned so many things from there. And so just that and keyword search and seeing what other people like, and I'm like, you know, I never even thought about that. Somebody told me about Tailscale the other day. I've got two new little things over here that I'm going to start plugging in so I can try to build up my home lab. And if I do that, I might go, oh, you know, this home lab thing is kind of cool. Like, Maybe I need to find some other stuff I can kind of get my hands on, you know, to do that kind of thing. So just that I'm like the next door slash Craigslist slash Goodwill of uh, <laughs> learning things and seeing what I like and don't like. 
<laughs> well, no, I mean, I think that's important is, is that having that sort of, uh, you know, willingness to experiment, right? And say, hey, I'm going to try this. I think a lot of people do get scared to try something new. Yeah. Sure, right? And maybe there's a little bit of that, you know, good old friend of ours, fear of failure in there, mm-hmm. right? That keeps you from from trying that something new. But I think if you if you sort of approach this, approach every situation as an opportunity to learn. I really also want to call out something you mentioned earlier, uh, and I know this is a bit unrelated, but I think tied in is is this this idea of like being willing to admit um, what you don't know. Um, yes. And I think I think I know I run into it. I've, I've worked as a, a consultant in various ways, whether with a vendor or with a reseller or whatever, like for years and years and years. Vast majority of my career has been that way. And I see a lot of folks in that space who are afraid to tell the customer, hey, I don't know that because they might feel like maybe, you know, they're somehow failing their employer or failing the customer or whatever, right? Like, but I think if you can admit, hey, I don't know that, but let's learn together or I'll find out for you, something yeah. like that, right? That helps lessen some of this fear of failure, failure, you know, being afraid to try something new kind of stuff, right? I think maybe these things are a little more related than perhaps they appear. I don't know what you think. You want to know where the one time that that didn't work for me was? Code review. Scared the absolute crap out of me because then I would have to admit to the people that hired me that I didn't know something. Now I can get on screen all day or I can get on a podcast or anything and say, I don't know, (laughs) let's go. But the people, the people that I needed to do the code for, man, if they see that I messed that up, oh God, I will never recover. And like, I had to get, that was very hard for me to get over. But so in that case, yeah, people are scared of breaking things. Can't really break things in the cloud. Not if you got backups, what are you going to do? Just go cherry pick, commit, pull what you need and start all over again. Um, But I don't think people see that reverse side of it, that, that Uno card side of it. Um, And that's probably what's holding some people back. Sure. But I think that's probably the only time that 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 hit me um, was code review. Okay. All right. Well, that's good to know. Good to know. <laughs> All right. So to recap, first thing okay. you last and you had was, and I think I summarized this right, that thing you want to do may not be exactly what you're supposed to do, but something adjacent might be perfect. That's it. Perfect. That is literally okay. on this piece of obsidian that I wrote notes on. So I would remember some stuff. <laughs> awesome. Perfect. Okay. <laughs> So what's next on your, on your Obsidian note then? No one will care about protecting your time more than you will. So if you don't, you'll look around and your time will no longer belong to you. Okay. Dig into that a little bit. Like tell, I, I mean, I, I have a really good idea what you're going with there, but let's, let's just, let's, let's, let's unpack that a little bit. When I was younger, way back in the way, way, way before times, I was one of those people that was very happy. And it's not that I'm a people pleaser. It's that uh, I don't mind doing it so I can learn. And there are people that will take advantage of that. Uh, it was only in the last five, what, five, 10 years or so, five or seven years or so that I realized if I didn't protect my time, no one was going to do it for me. Not only that, they would take me for what they could until I burnt myself out, which I have done more than once um, because I was happy to work on a product or I was happy to learn about a product. What I have learned is block your time. Uh, and even now, if I start a new position, I will block my time and I will turn my calendar off to free busy. So no one can determine what is more important to me. 
someone may see my focus time. My focus time is very important to me. It took me a very long time to realize I get naturally sleepy at two o'clock. But if you catch me around three, my brain is on. So I block off that time because it's important for me to be able to learn something on a, on a routine basis. Because if I don't routinely and consistently practice something, I'm going to lose it. There were people at certain companies that would look at that and go, oh, that's just focus time. She's not mean with anybody. Let me stack stuff on there. Not only would they do that, they wouldn't even ping me in Slack or whatever, insert your favorite chat client here to say, hey, Tracy, I see you have this blocked off. Is it okay if I add something there? So I just wouldn't show up. <laughs> and about three times that that happened, they all of a sudden realized, oh, I might need to check with her to make sure that that. So now if I just have it on free busy, you don't even have to worry about deciding that. You either go with what I have available or you ping me to find out. So protect your time. Take those breaks. If you have a pet, walk your dog. If you've ever met Gambit, he's going to come look at me and stare at me to make sure I get out of my desk and walk all the way to the front of the house. Um, take those breaks. Not, and I'm not big on Pomodoro timer. You have to do it like every 25 minutes or 55. But you do need your butt and your legs will thank you if you get up out of your chair. That's very true. Um, work your schedule hours. It took me a very long time to go from working 60, 70, and 80 hours a week to working my actual scheduled hours with plus or minus 30 minutes, give or take the day. If it's not that important, work your hours. Sign out of Slack if you just have to go on Slack because you have 19 other Slack channels. Don't answer your, and I, and I mean this in sales people, I know this probably doesn't apply to you. That's why I'm not in sales. If your boss pings you, Ignore it. Like you have our work hours for a reason. And if you're not working a launch, if you're not important for a new product, if you're not responsible for somebody that's giving you a $600,000 deal or more, it can wait until tomorrow. Yeah, no, that's, that's great advice. I think um, I, I jotted a note down here to include in the show notes as you were talking. And, and what I jotted down was uh, it's important to sometimes say no. No and is in a complete sentence yeah that's all you need is just no and it's so i mean it's it's important you know if you need that time for focus whether you're learning something or even if if you're just you need to be heads down on something you need to be heads down on you know figuring out this project that you're doing for your employer or a customer or whatever the case may be or you're getting ready to do a launch and you need to make sure things are ready or you know whatever it might be if you need to you know like hey i got to be focused on this i think it is important to make sure that you appropriately schedule that time and make sure that you prioritize what is important to you, not only from a work, uh, you know, career perspective, but also from a personal perspective. And that kind of comes back to your thing about working hours. And that is, you know, like, Hey, we get that. It's all important at times to be present, um, you know, in the early morning hours or the late evening hours or whatever the case may be. Right. Um, but you don't want to make that a habit. And I, I did an episode a short while ago, probably longer now that I think about it. But anyway, um, right after the pandemic sort of really hit and people were all working from home and I had a bunch of guests come on and talk about working from home. And one of the things that I have struggled with, not just from the pandemic, I've been working remotely for 12 years, um, mm -hmm. fully remote for 12 years. So, but, but controlling that time, like when, when I can just walk, you know, down the hallway to my office, it's a lot easier to go down there and work 
than it would be like if I had to get in the car and drive 10 minutes and go to the office or a half an hour, an hour, or whatever it is for your commute, right? So you really have to make sure that you're prioritizing that. On the flip side, I do know people who, who sort of do this, um, you know, flexible working thing, like they'll work a few hours in the day and then they'll take a break and then they'll work a few more hours and then they'll eat dinner and then they'll work a few more hours and, and you know, and then that's it, right? That might work for you too. In all these cases, make sure you're, you're talking to your manager, of course, right? But, right. but prioritize what's important to you, right? Prioritize if it's important to, to make sure you have time with your family and your kids, do that. Block off that time. Make sure your boss or people in APJ are not scheduling it for you, right? right. Um, if it's important to, to make sure you've got focus time for a project, then schedule that, right? And, and, and go from there. And I think that's something that a lot of people overlook. Yeah, like I said earlier, I'm very related, very much related to Doug from Up. So when I hit a groove, let me, I need to finish that groove or else I'll buy another 14 plants. Like, <laughs> so that's what I do to make sure that I don't feel useless or that I'm messing up. Like, that's my own personal structure. I, I, I personally think that a lot of us think that we are better at multitasking than we actually yeah. are. Yeah. And I see it as a, a sign of wisdom to recognize, hey, I can be really, really effective at one thing and get this done and done really, really well. Or I can be okay at two different things and get both of them done, but maybe not done to the same level of quality or depth, right? Absolutely. Um, so, all right. So no one's going to care about protecting your time more than you will. Lesson number two. I interrupt this podcast conversation and possibly myself to explain who the heck sponsor Abstra is. In a nutshell, multi-vendor network automation plus continuous validation. And I stress multi-vendor because if you've been paying attention to acquisition news, you know that Abstra was bought by Juniper a while back. So you might be thinking you don't care about Abstra unless you're a Juniper shop. And that is just not true. Abstra can handle data center network automation across a spectrum of vendors. So what do we mean by data center automation anyway? We mean that you design the DC network to meet some business requirements you have, and you do that within the Abstra interface, and let's say it's leaf spine with eVPN. Abstra's got access to the network devices themselves, and it takes your intent to create that leaf spine physical network with an eVPN overlay and configures it for you. I mean, Abstra can't plug the cables in for you, right? You still have to do that bit. But Abstra can tell you when the cabling is out of whack, whether that's during the day zero build-out phase or the day two, hey, it looks like an optic failed phase. And that's sort of the point here. Cabling, routing relationships, device and link addressing, inter-switch links, VLANs, VTEPs, mappings, tons of these things. So many that you don't want to have to do that configuration yourself. It seems fun until you're actually building it, and then you realize it's totally not fun. You want software to stand up the data center fabric for you. Software's not going to fat finger an address. Software's not going to forget to update BGP policy. Software? Software loves you. <laughs> right, okay. Not all software loves you, but Abstra software does, so much so that it not only helps get that fabric built, but keeps it built the way you intended. Something goes out of spec, Abstra will enforce your intent, which should help you reduce security vulnerabilities, by the way, and alert you to the bits that need a human's attention. Abstra claims up to 80% improvements in operational efficiency, 70% improvements in mean time to resolution, and 90% improvements in time to deliver, and that is a lot of love. 
Find out more at juniper.net slash packet pushers slash abstra. If you're a data center network engineer, this is worth your investigation. Once more, that's juniper.net slash packet pushers slash abstra. And if you talk to your Juniper rep about abstra, make sure to tell them you heard about them on packet pushers. Juniper.net slash packet pushers slash abstra. And now back to the podcast. All right. What else you got? As an extension of the work from home, make your space yours. So like you don't, you no longer have that person from three cubicles over tapping you, even though you have your headphones on. But if you try to set up your place the same way as your, I guess, in-person office, man, it's been a while since I've been in an office. Holy crap. Make your place yours. I'm surrounded by plants because plant, plants calm me. It's something I get to take care of. I like how they look. I have a full-on library behind me. Well, kind of with comic books and all kinds of knowledgeable things, but that's my area. Like that's my sanctuary. My office is my work sanctuary. I'm at peace here. If I didn't have the plants, if it was just a bland office and I didn't have my, my incense that are keeping my plant gnats away right now. Um, <laughs> and the sound, the sound of like my storage going on, it would feel really weird. And I would feel very uptight and, and not happy and, and very tense. So make your space yours, like have a little area or something that you do. That's a routine that calms you, that makes you, you, your best you. Not everybody gets eight hours of sleep. Heck, I'm good for a good four. Uh, <laughs> but coming in here, I don't feel like I'm coming to work, but I can also still present my best self in my work area. And I'm, I'm, and I'm blessed enough and lucky enough to have a dedicated work area. That's a good point. I hadn't, I hadn't really considered, I mean, I'd, I'd considered it from a sort of a workspace perspective, you know, like we all have our, our, I shouldn't say we all, many of us have, you know, our, like, you know, we, we like this kind of monitor or we work with a dual monitor space or we have a laptop stand or we have a sit stand desk or whatever, you know, you know there's that kind of stuff, but it's, it's, it's not just about that. It's also about sort of, you know, the environment. I don't want to, I don't want to use the term ambiance, but something like that. It's, it's the mm -hmm. mood. It's the environment. Like it, it, it's creating something that's conducive for what, um, conducive for you, right? Whatever yes. that is, it's conducive for helping enhance your learning or helping enhance your focus or whatever the case may be. Um, I think that's a, that's a good point. Thank you. That one. I was proud of that one. I was like, I didn't realize how much my space really affected how I do. Uh, my brain was very busy during our lunch and I couldn't figure out what was going on. I'm like, we're through. Why am I, is my brain? And I looked around and there was just, cause I only recently bought, like moved into the house. There's stuff everywhere. I had boxes over here. There was junk sitting here that I, I'm, I've still got a monitor arm back here from two months ago that I still haven't. And so like I, I took a whole weekend and I just straightened up. And then Monday when I came back in, I was like, oh, that's what that was. And that's what made me remember that one on my notes. Yeah, that I can I can really identify with that. I I, I shared in an earlier podcast episode, um, you know how my wife and I sold our house and we moved into a small townhouse while we're building another long term house. And you know, we went from a, a, you know a large house to because we had kids and all that, but now they're all gone and moved out and all that, so it's empty nester. And I we're like, hey, we don't need all this space. So silly me, I decided to go to a house that was less than half as big as the one we were in, right? And I'm just like where am I going to put all this stuff? <laughs> you know? And so I have, I have recognized that in my own sort of style that the house feeling chaotic um, in terms of things not being put away where they are or not feeling orderly and organized 
it, it, it breeds chaos in my mind. It makes it harder for me to focus. And so I, mm-hmm. I too have to, you know, make sure that I spend that time to put the stuff away and, and, you know, clean up the kitchen or clean up my office, you know, put the papers away that I've gathered out over the course of the day or whatever to help me remain able to really focus on what my colleagues and my customers and, and, you know, other folks want, want and need me to focus on. Now, don't, don't, don't think I don't know that there's a binder clip like in the middle of the bookcase that you can't see over here that's behind two books. Like that one is there on purpose because I'm going to remember that I need a binder clip and I know that that one is. But for the most part, the office is structured and straight. Very good. All right. So lesson number three, make your space yours. That's yes. good. All right. Uh, also ergonomics. And that's literally the only thing I have for that bullet. Ergonomics. If you're going to make your space yours, add ergonomics. Fair enough. Ergonomics. Oh, Got it. Okay. Um, this one may, may ruffle a few overwashed hands. Uh, loyalty. <laughs> All right. Something that's been very hard for me to accept or learn is to be sparing with your loyalty when it comes to companies. And I say this knowing that there's this whole great resignation hashtag happening right now. Um, not to say that most people leave companies, a lot of them are just leaving their managers. They have great companies, horrible managers that aren't being addressed, or they're leaving the company and gonna miss the manager, which has also happened. Uh, but at the end of the day, if you're leaving for either whatever your priorities are, whether it's career progression, money, which I think is happening for a lot of people, um, better benefits, whatever you need for your life. At the end of the day, two business days later, your, your, your position will be listed on that careers page. And you'll be somewhere else where you're, you're more prolific, you're better off and you're getting the things that you need and or want. Um, and it, it, that was very hard for me to learn. My mother worked at her job for 44 years. My father worked at one for 23 and the other for 19. They are both in their 70s. And it's very hard not to, to follow that for, for how I've planned out my life, which I'm, I'm, a, I'm a geriatric millennial, I guess is how they consider that. Um, <laughs> We're not talking about age on here, though, Scott. Um, but also, it took very good friends of mine going, hey, you're not happy here. We can tell you're burnout. You should probably do the thing. Um, and it was very hard because I absolutely have loved the, a good, a vast majority of my managers. So me, I, my loyalty brain was stuck on the manager, not being loyal to myself. So I guess the short version of that is be loyal to yourself. <laughs> in your in your prog- career progression or however you move because at the end of the day you need to do what's best for you that's a that's a really great point um but it's interesting my brain interpreted interpreted that com- like when you were talking about sort of being sparing with your loyalty to companies it interpreted that in, in a completely different way how did um, you how did you do it so so one of the things I, I i one of the things i see from time to time as as folks move you know, through their, through their career. And, it, and it's, it's, it's common, or, or maybe I should say it's not uncommon within the tech space for people to change jobs, you know, every few years. Right. Right. Um, it, it's not like you were describing and my parents were my, very much the same way. My dad, you know, just worked the same job 
you know, for years and years and years until he retired. Right. And, and he's, he's turning 91 this year. So oh wow, I know. Right. Um, I'm thankful he's still around. Um, but, but that, that's not the way things work, you know, sort of now. Right. And certainly not in the tech space where, you know, if you stay somewhere five, six years, you know, that's, that's like, Whoa, wow. You, you know, you really stuck it out there, you know? Um, but, uh, what, what I, what I have found is I see folks who will move from, you know, company A to company B and maybe company A and company B are competitors. Maybe, you know, maybe they aren't or whatever. And then people will, will like change their, their story, so to speak, you know, with, when they were at company A, they were all about company A's products. But then the, the day they're over here at company B, they're, they're bashing company A, right? Yeah. And, okay. And, and so I, when you said, you know, kind of like be spare with, sparing with your loyalty, I'm like, you know, I, I, I read, I sort of interpret that as like maintaining your integrity over the course I, of your career. I agree that also, I agree with that one also. I yeah. will add that to my own notes. There you go. Uh, so, but, but you're absolutely right. Yeah. But, but what you talked about in terms of like being, being more loyal to yourself and recognizing that, you know, ultimately your career satisfaction and your ability to achieve your career goals, which are yours and yours alone ultimately fall to you, right? Not to, I mean, let, let's face it. Like I've had some great managers and they have been fantastic about helping me support my career goals. And yep. I am super thankful for that. But ultimately it's not my manager's job to make sure my career goals get fulfilled. There you go. Right. Um, and so I, you know, as, as individuals, we need to balance that loyalty to our employer or even to our managers. If you, if you have a really great manager and you love the way, you know, you work with her, you work with him, whatever the case may be. Um, ultimately it, it makes it harder to, to have to leave, but at the same mm -hmm. time, ultimately you have to do what is right for you and your family or your ultimate career goals. Um, you know, I, I, I think about, you know, a couple of recent job changes. I, I, I used to be at VMware and I left to go to a little startup called Heptio. And, um, I had a fantastic manager at VMware. Um, great, great, great guy and loved working with him. He was super hands-off, which is, you know, sort of my manager style. You know, that's what I need. I don't need people like being all on me. Like, what are you doing right at this moment? Right. Um, and uh, he was enough of a mentor to kind of like, you know, well, what do you think? And, and what do you, you know, like how, what do you think that should be? Not just telling me the answer, but kind of walking me how to arrive at that answer. Right. And I appreciate that. And so having to leave, it was difficult to tell him like, Hey, I'm going to go now. He's a big startup fan uh, or was at least then. And so when I told him, he asked where I was going. I said, I'm going to start up. He's like, Oh, okay. Don't say anything else. You're good to go. Good luck. <laughs> right. You know? Um, so that was, that was awesome. But then, you know, FDO got acquired by VMware. So I came back again and I was in a different manager <laughs> and, and I decided to leave again because I, I, again, you know, career satisfaction and job satisfaction, all that. Uh, I needed something uh, different than, than what VMware had to offer. And it's not a knock against VMware. It's just an observation. Every company's different. Right. And again, I had a great manager that I had really come to enjoy working with. And so to call him and say, Hey, you know, I, I've decided to leave. And, and then him be like, Oh man, you know, I, I didn't really want that to happen. And then you're like, Oh, you know, you're kind of like shriveling up inside. Cause you didn't want to do that to him. But in the, in the end, right. Each of us has that ultimate responsibility for achieving what we're trying to do. And as long as we're balancing our loyalty to our employer with our, our loyalty to our old, our own ultimate goals and what's important to us, going back to talking about scheduling, yeah. what's important to you, right? What's important to you. Is it important to you to, to make sure that you have a job where you can spend time with your family, then you might need to change jobs because 
you know, whatever, right? So. Yep, yep. All right. So be sparing with your loyalty to companies. And there's but a couple also different ways maintain to think your that. integrity. And maintain, and maintain your integrity, yes. And maintain your integrity. Maintain your integrity. You're absolutely right. Yes. So very good. Okay. This is, uh, this is really great stuff. I appreciate you sharing all this. No problem. I was like, oh, man, I should probably write these down or else I'll be like diversion blab. Um, thank you, though. Um, take your vacation. And it's worse. So like it's worse for tech these days because everything is FTO. So you don't really have a minimum. And then you look up and you hadn't taken anything, um, which is not great. Take your, take your vacation. I mean, like, I don't know how else to say that. And what I do like is like on the teams where I've had like someone that's in, in Canada or someone that was in the UK or something, they're usually mandated amount of time, amounts of time that they have to take. And so I implore those of you that are management that are listening to this podcast, set minimums, minimums for your, for your, your employees where they have to take a minimum amount of, of vacation for the year if your company has FTO, because everyone will be better for it. And I had to learn that the hard way also. I'm, I think I'm telling you more of stuff I had to learn the hard way. Well, I think a lot of the podcasts where people come on and share their career lessons or things they learned the hard way. So you're, you're not <laughs> alone there, Tracy. Okay. Uh, you know, I talk to folks um, who, who don't work in the tech field and it's very, very common in the, in the tech space these days for companies to offer unlimited PTO, right? Right. You know, like, hey, just, just as long as you're getting your job done, you know, take whatever time you need, that kind of thing, right? But you're right in that what, what ends up happening is a lot of people don't take that time because nope. they don't they don't see it accruing anywhere um, or anything like that. So they don't they don't think about, oh, hey, I've got 10 days of vacation time that I need to use. You know, they're just like, oh, I can take whatever vacation time I want. And we're all so... And I, I have a horrible habit of using superlatives when I shouldn't. So many of us are, are, are really conditioned to, you know, we want, we want to do the best that we can. We want to yeah. be the best that we can. We want to make sure that we're being, doing right by our employers. And so we work really hard and, and that's where it comes back to, you know, Hey, setting, setting boundaries for yourself, you know, schedule that time when you need time to be off work, right? Block that so that it doesn't get eaten up, you know? Be careful with that. But uh, as you point out, it's important to take vacations too. And I look at this as, you know, you were talking earlier about, you know, taking a break, right? Get up, walk around, walk your dogs, you know, whatever, right? Uh, so breaks are important, not over the course of a day, but uh, breaks are important over the course of time, right? Getting that break where you can unplug. I just, just came back. I think I shared with you as we were arranging the schedule, just came back from a week off with my family. We went to Disney World and... Nice it was just so important to just unplug. And I, I didn't check Slack. I didn't check. I did check email a couple of times. I confess. Sorry. Uh, I know mainly just to delete junk mail. So it didn't okay. build up, but I didn't, I didn't worry about any of the rest of it. And I have a great manager in my, in my current role and he didn't try to bother me while I was at off, you know, nice. he didn't like uh, pestering me about stuff. So I think, you know, I, I, I you know, listeners, I, I'm, I'm super aligned with, with Tracy here. Like it's really important to take your vacation, you know, use it. Right. It, this is this is one of those things where, being totally frank, companies institute unlimited PTO policies because they know that employers or employees, rather, excuse me, will not take as much time. Will this is not. a break for them. So take your vacations. I totally agree. Thank you. Thank you. When you first start your position at any company, of course, you're going to get the hierarchy. Somewhere around week four or five, talk to someone on your team that's been there for about six months to a year or longer, 
and find out the actual hierarchy. <laughs> Who gets things done? <laughs> because I guarantee that manager that they sent you to is not the one making the decision. <laughs> They're the ones that they want you to think <laughs> are making absolutely. the decisions and ends up being the Manchurian candidate. <laughs> like, it's never who you think uh, it is. You are absolutely right. Yes. There is, there is the hierarchy and then there is the, uh, you know, let's call it the, the influence hierarchy, right? You know, yes. the people who know how to get stuff done, they may not be in positions of responsibility, but but they have power and influence in terms of, you know, being effective. So yes, I agree with that. Um, good, 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 good point. So learn, learn the real hierarchy and then learn how your coworkers and teammates communicate. Yeah. The communication one is, is weird. Um, there's this, this started back. Was it when I was at HC? Yeah. So there was this dart that we passed around for our team when we did our offsite that was called how, how, how to work with me. They basically said, these are the hours I typically work. This is why I have that Wednesday blocked off. It's just not for no meetings. Um, I don't really do well with, with praise. I don't really do well with verbal feedback. Um, if I don't answer on Slack, give me a little bit. I'm probably, I probably have notifications off and will check it at a certain time. I myself only check email two times a day. There's no reason for me to sit there and, and like look at my email all day long. You get it in the morning, you get it early afternoon, and then that's it till the next day. Um, but there's this list of things like that. And I, I've done it at the new place. I did it at the pre the previous place. I've done it at, like literally since I've gotten that doc, I've adjusted and, and changed a few of the prompts, but knowing that your person actually doesn't like email and does better with Slack, or if they're pushing for something, they're usually mild mannered, but if they say no twice, there's probably a reason why. So like ping them on the side and go, Hey, notice you're doing this. Um, I am, I'm an, unfortunately like a default mama bear. Uh, <laughs> and that's like one of my things. And so that's something I have to work hard at not doing. And it's usually because I've been working for, Oh God, I'm going to tell my age. Uh, I've been working for like, I've been working since I was 16. And so there are some things I've seen people come into like new positions or that are new to the position that want to speak up for themselves, but aren't comfortable yet, either because one, like me, they've gotten fired for stupid crap before, um, or two, they just don't really know how to assert themselves without coming off like, insert bad word here. And so I'm usually that person going, say no. Dude, you just like did five back-to-back -back conferences. Say no, say no. But say no. And then I'll only do that for about three or four months and I'm going, oh, I'm doing it again. And then I'll shut up. And then like six or seven months later, I started saying, no, yes, I know. I've been cheering you on to your manager. <laughs> like, <laughs> but that document, it's, it, it's great for that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, some people I praise, some people don't. Some people are scared of code reviews and some people need a personal compliance officer to read over their email so they don't come off with an attitude. Um, and that's a totally different podcast topic. We can talk about that. Uh, but yeah, so uh, how to work with me or learn how to communicate with, with your people. Because at the end of the day, if something happens, those people are the ones that you're going to need to have your back. And they need to know how to read you or why you did certain things or have an idea of how and why you want to do certain things. Yeah, I, I, I have to admit that I, I had the opportunity to do something like that at a previous role. And at the time, uh, it, it, I don't know, something about it didn't come off well with me. And I, I really railed against it, but in, in hindsight, and they say that hindsight has 2020 vision, don't know who they are, but they're right in this case. Um, 
in hindsight, I, I see the effectiveness of things like that when done well. So uh, I, I can agree with that. When implemented correctly is absolutely the thing. And don't force it on your team is the other thing. Because some people just don't like reading that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. With current company, I told the HR department about it in this one because they're small enough to like kind of implement this kind of thing at the, at the beginning with onboarding. And so they were like, hey, we're going to try to see if we can add some of this so people know because we're split like across the U.S. and way across the pond. Uh, and so some are going to sleep when I'm signing on and you need to know because if you don't, you just don't. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Tracy, we are coming near the end of our time here, which is a shame because I've really enjoyed our, our discussion. Um, I'll give you a minute or two. Are there any final thoughts you want to share with listeners? It's okay if there aren't. You are not as stupid as you think you are. Imposter syndrome is real, but some people use it as a crutch. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with saying you don't know. Just not everybody's meant to be a teacher or a mentor, but there's nothing wrong with saying you don't know. Some senior people forget how to teach. They haven't been a junior in 20 years. But if you put yourself out there, you'll find out not only that they can teach you something, but you might turn around and teach the old head something also. So Yeah, that's a very good point. Very good point. So uh, thank you for that. Great. Um, all right. So once again, tell us, uh, tell listeners where they can find you. Tracy P. Holmes, all across the board. There's a whole story behind why I use my initial for everything. It has to do with the stolen scholarship. So Tracy, no E, the letter P like Patrick and last name Holmes like Sherlock. And that's typically how you'll find me. All right. Well, fantastic. I uh, really enjoyed our conversation. Tracy, thank you so much for being on and for sharing some lessons over the course of your own career. I think that listeners are really going to be able to identify with some of the things that you've shared here. Um, I know that I have been able to identify with things and have taken a, good, a few good points away. So thank you thank so much for that. I appreciate it. I enjoyed myself. Well, that's awesome. I like for guests <laughs> to have fun when they're on the show. All right, listeners, that's it for this episode. I, again, thanks so much to Tracy for uh, joining me for another episode of the Full Stack Journey. Uh, listeners, I'd love to hear your feedback on this episode or any episode of the podcast. So don't hesitate to reach out to me or you can leave a review on any of the various platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, blah, blah, blah. We're all over the place. Um, if you want to reach out to us on social media, you can contact uh, us via FSJ Podcast on Twitter. So at FSJ Podcast, Full Stack Journey Podcast on Twitter. You're also welcome to reach out to me directly at Scott underscore low on Twitter. Um, and I'm happy to communicate with you either way. That's fine. So this has been the Full Stack Journey Podcast, where too much learning is never enough. Mm -hmm.